Act One of In Chancery by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Characters Captain Dionysius McCafferty, formerly in the Ballyterra Militia, now proprietor of the Railway Hotel, Steepleton Junction. Read by Larry Wilson. Dr. Titus, his medical attendant. Read by Stephen Fellows. Montague Joldeeth. Read by Todd. Mr. Hinksman. Read by Alan Mapstone. John, Mrs. Smith's servant. Read by Thomas Peter. Mr. Buzzard, a butcher. Read by Adrian Stevens. Mr. Gorge, a draper. Read by Son of the Exiles. Mrs. Smith, read by Sonia. Mrs. Marmaduke Jackson, read by T.J. Burns. Patricia McCafferty, read by phone. Amelia Ann Buzzard, read by Leanne Yao. Walker, Mrs. Smith's servant, read by Devorah Allen. Kittles, read by Eva Davis. Stage Directions, read by Michael Max. In Chancery Act One, Drawing a Blank The Parlour of the Railway Hotel at Steepleton Junction Act Two, Artificial Memory The Best Room in the Hotel Act Three, Home Sweet Home Sitting Room at Mrs. Marmaduke Jackson's Gravesend Three Sundays elapse between Acts 1 and 2. Act 2 occurs on the morning and Act 3 on the evening of the same day. In Chancery Act 1. Drawing a Blank Scene The comfortable parlour of a small hotel. Upstage right, door leading to bar. Upstage left, door with passage backing. At back, large window or windows, looking onto a country prospect with a railway, telegraph wires, etc. Upstage at back, two small tables of equal size. Round table, right centre. Three chairs, round table, left centre. Two chairs placed as in plan. Downstage left, fireplace. Above fireplace, armchair. Below fireplace, an ordinary chair. Downstage right, sideboard with crockery, plate, etc. On sideboard, a work basket with needlework. By sideboard, a chair or stool. On table right centre, a cribbage board and cards, long clay pipes, matches, and a newspaper. On table left centre, Pipes, newspapers, and matches. The room, generally furnished with all the characteristics of an inn parlour. Stuffed birds, fishing rods and basket, a gun or two, sporting pictures, etc. Short, lively music at opening. As the curtain rises, the angry voice of McCafferty, accompanied by a small crash of broken crockery, 
is heard in the distance, off left. Patricia enters door right, listening. Patricia is a buxom, brawny, Irish woman, neatly dressed, but with a wild head of red hair. My pa's in a queer temper by the sound of it. She crosses to door left and listens. McCafferty's voice rises higher. There now, he's arguing them politics with poor Mr. Jolliffe. Looking towards door right. Thank goodness, here's the gentleman arriving. Mr. Gorge enters door right. He is a thin man, almost entirely bald, with a treble voice. Mr. Gorge, politely. Good evening, Miss McCafferty. Rubbing his hands heartily. Any news, eh? Any news? Good evening to you, Mr. Gorge. There's nothing stirring. How's Captain McCafferty tonight? There is another crash off left. Mr. Gorge's manner changes to extreme timidity. Patricia, jerking her head towards left. I think he's just having a chat with Mr. Jolliffe, the gentleman stopping in the hotel. Oh. Mr. Gorge goes up to table left centre, very quietly and nervously, and sits behind the table. <laughs> yes, I'll take my usual, Miss McCafferty. Patricia crosses to right centre as Mr. Buzzard enters door right. Mr. Buzzard is a fat, red-faced man with bushy hair and gruff voice, the reverse of Mr. Gorge. Mr. Buzzard, jovially. Good evening, Miss McCafferty. Good evening, Mr. Gouge. Good evening, Mr. Buzzard. Any news, eh? Any news? I believe not, sir. How is your poor papa tonight? Another distinct crash. Mr. Buzzard's face changes. He stands rooted to the spot. He's just having a little bit of a chat with Mr. Jolliffe, the gentleman stopping in the hotel. Mr. Buzzard, nervously. Oh, I think I'll take my usual, Miss McCafferty. Patricia goes out door right. Mr. Buzzard tiptoes up to the table, right centre, and sits behind it. He and Mr. Gorge load their long pipes gloomily. Captain seems a little worse than ordinary tonight, Mr. Buzzard, sir. He do, he do. Time Dr. Titus was here to keep him under. Mr. Gorge, looking towards door. Here is the doctor. Dr. Titus enters door right. He is a middle-aged, professional-looking person, with iron-grey hair and whiskers. His attire is rather inclined to seediness, his manner pompous and bombastic. Good evening, gentlemen. Crosses left and puts hat on mantelpiece. Good, Good evening, evening doctor. doctor. Good evening. Good evening. Titus, bustling over to armchair. How is Captain McCafferty tonight? Mr. McCafferty's voice heard outside. He's upstairs. With Mr. Jolliffe. The gentleman's staying in the hotel. Having, Having a, a little, little bit, bit of, of a chat. chat. Oh, quite so, quite so. Patricia enters door right, carrying tray with glasses, etc. She gives Mr. Gorge and Mr. Buzzard their drinks. You're single-handed tonight, Miss McCafferty. Where's the waiter? He contradicted Papa this afternoon. Oh! oh. 
so papa dismissed him through the window ah. i'm so glad you've come doctor and is it whiskey you'll take it is whiskey irish any whiskey would become irish when dispensed by your fair hands go on now goes out door right mr gorge and mr buzzard light their pipes this excitement is very bad for the captain ain't it doctor very very you might tell us how captain mccafferty's ailment came about doctor if it's no secret titus standing on hearthrug left centre certainly my friend i may say our friend our host of the railway hotel at steepleton was formerly a captain in the distinguished Ballytara militia one of his brother officers who was also a cheesemonger thought it wise upon one occasion to wink at mrs mccafferty the captain's wife now alas beyond the reach of all such advances dear me indeed captain mccafferty always shall i say a hasty man dragged the offender to belgium where they fought a duel with pistols good, good gracious i was the medical man concerned in the result the captain spoiled his opponent's new hat while the cheesemonger contrived to lodge a bullet in the captain's body mercy me well i never now gentlemen the whereabouts of that bullet has never been discovered if it is still in captain mccafferty's body i say if that bullet is still in captain mccafferty's body the slightest excitement such as would be produced by thwarting a fond wish or upsetting a cherished project the slightest excitement might produce the most alarming results gentlemen it is a most interesting case mr gorge and mr buzzard wipe their foreheads nervously most interesting most interesting then you remain in stupleton doctor expressly to look after the captain <clears throat> captain mccafferty is good enough to appoint me his medical attendant you're watching for the bullet eh? i am watching for the bullet and if the bullet is ever discovered you'll lose a very comfortable post eh doctor gets up and takes light from table right centre titus drawing himself up mr gorge i beg your pardon doctor no offence mr gorge and mr buzzard talk together dr titus turns from them and slyly produces a pocket-book from which he takes out a small leaden bullet titus aside weighing the bullet in his hand but the bullet isn't likely to be discovered while it's in bob titus's pocket-book he returns bullet to the pocket-book and pocket-book to his pocket aside Ahem, it's a most interesting case patricia enters door right carrying tumbler of drink which she gives to titus here you are doctor another distant crash is heard with mccafferty's voice above it keep your eyes on pa doctor if he loses his temper he's done entirely mccafferty outside what do you mean mr joliffe sir by regarding me in that manner with your eye you're wearing an impertinent look sir he's coming there is a general movement the two men at the table bury their heads in their papers. Titus sits in chair below fireplace left. Patricia runs to right centre and sits, taking needlework from basket on sideboard. Captain Dionysius McCafferty, with his hands in his pockets, rushes in from door left. 
He is a fat, untidily dressed old man with fiery face, red whiskers and bushy hair. His eyes are bolting from their sockets and he is trembling with passion. He looks round fiercely as if seeking some excuse for an outburst. Finding none, he sinks into chair centre. I wish you a very good evening to all of ye. Mr. Gorge, in a small voice, over his paper. Good evening, Captain McCafferty. McCafferty turns upon him suddenly. Mr. Gorge disappears behind his newspaper. Mr. Buzzard, over his paper. Delighted to see you, Captain. McCafferty glares at him. He disappears like Mr. Gorge. McCafferty to Patricia. What are you doing, Pat, my darling? Mending the white waistcoat you tore up when you were a little put out last night. You've been agitating yourself again, Captain McCafferty. No, I've not. Mr. Joliffe agitated me. Dear me, how? He contradicted my assertion. Oh, I'm sure you're mistaken, Papa. What did Mr. Joliffe say? He didn't say anything. He regarded me in a contradictory manner with his eye. I'll speak to Mr. Joliffe. He'll explain everything satisfactorily. I'll be bound. Goes to door, opens it, and calls. Mr. Joliffe? Mr. Joliffe? Joliffe, in distance. Yes? Step down and join us in the parlour, will you? Oh, yes, certainly. Titus returns to his seat before fire left as Montague Jolliffe enters. He is a fair-haired individual, with a pale, anxious face, roving eyes, and a large expanse of forehead. Jolliffe, as he enters. Delighted to make one, delighted to make one. Good evening. Captain McCafferty is under the mistaken impression, Mr. Jolliffe, that you contradicted some assertion he made. Ah, uh, now I'm sure Mr. Jolliffe didn't, did you, Mr. Jolliffe? Jolliffe shakes his head. No. He contradicted me with a look of his eye. Quite a mistake, quite a mistake. Captain McCafferty expressed his conviction that Steepleton, which at present boasts 98 inhabitants, a hotel and a railway station, would in a short space of time become the centre of British commerce, with a mayor a town council, and a bishopric. In reply, I merely said, Oh. McCafferty, rising. But you looked dubious, sir. Knowing the precarious state of my health, you looked dubious. Oh, I assure you, Captain McCafferty, I didn't mean to. Ah, very well, then. I accept your apology. Say no more. But I assure... Say no more. No, I can assure you... Say no more. Turning to Gorge and Buzzard. Gentlemen, we'll play with the cards. Well, Captain McCafferty, if I might suggest... Keep silence, or when I make a proposal. Turning to Gorge. We'll play three-handed crib. Mr. Gorge moves timidly to chair at back of table, right centre. Mr. Buzzard to right of same table. They sit playing at table right centre. Patricia sits doing her needlework and watching them right. Jolliffe sinks into chair left centre 
facing Titus. What a dreadful person. Titus, drawing nearer to Jolliffe. Mr. Jolliffe, you'll pardon my freedom, I hope, but will you allow me to put to you one little question? Certainly. What is it? Now that you are completely recovered from your unfortunate railway accident, why do you remain in this wretched little town, in this equally wretched little inn, under the tyrannic rule of that despotic old ruffian? Why? Ah? With a poor devil of a doctor without a practice, it's different. I'm chained to Steepleton in attendance on old McCafferty. But you, you're a free man. Why not be up and away? Jolliffe draws himself up and takes Titus by the sleeve and looks round mysteriously. Up and away? Where to? To your relatives. Where are they? Well, then, to your friends. Where are they? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, then, to the town where you reside. What town? Confounded man, why don't you return to the place you came from? Where's that? Why, you never mean to say you don't know. <laughs> Beckons to Titus to come nearer. Can I trust you, I wonder? That depends. Are you a tailor? I don't know. I mean, will you keep my secret? A most awful, harrowing secret. My dear sir, I'm a doctor, of course I will. Your word of honour? My word of honour. I've been longing for a confidant. Sit down. They sit close together, left centre. McCafferty, playing upstage violently. What do you mean, sir? What do you mean? Well, Captain, I was thinking. <sighs> to the devil with your thinking. Papa, Papa, keep calm. Gentlemen, gentlemen, don't agitate the Captain. He corrected my Captain, knowing the precarious state of my health, too, with a bullet in me. He corrected my Captain. Well, well, I apologize. So do I. Go on with the amusement, then, ye couple of blundering ignoramuses. They resume playing. What a dreadful person. What a dreadful person. Now, Mr. Jolliffe, I'm your servant. Soft music in orchestra. Dr. Titus, you remember my being brought to the railway inn at Steepleton, don't you? Of course I do, six weeks ago. Six weeks at Steepleton Junction. Turning and pointing. You can see the exact spot from that window. Two passenger trains came into violent collision. Nothing resulted but a few scratches and bruises, and everybody was able, after a trifling delay, to resume their journey. Everybody with one important exception. Yourself. Myself. I was carefully deposited in the best bedroom of the railway hotel, where, owing to the assiduous nursing of that kind creature there, pointing to Patricia, and the unremitting attention of Dr. Titus, taking Titus's hand, in three weeks I was on my legs again. As strong as a horse. Strong as a tandem. Never was better, at least I don't think I ever was better. But, Dr. Titus, I don't remember. Don't remember? No. I'm vigorous and hearty, 
can eat, drink, and sleep, I am well educated, can speak French, jabber a little German, know a phrase or two of Italian, and have a fair knowledge of music. But, Dr. Titus, ever since that little smash-up at Steepleton Junction, I haven't the least idea who the devil I am, whence I came, or where I'm going. Good gracious, what's wrong? Music stops. My memory. My mind's a perfect blank as to the past. Every incident of, I hope, my distinguished career previous to that railway accident has entirely left me. But you know your name. Jolliffe, producing card case. Yes, but only through finding my card case in my overcoat pocket. Handing card to Titus. Here it is, Montague Jolliffe. No address. M.J. number 36 was marked on my collars, which leads me to hope I am a gentleman. Why? Well, nobody but a gentleman would have 36 white three-fold linen masher collars. Well, this is another most interesting case. Have you searched all the directories? Jolliffe, with a look of horror. No. Why not? I'm afraid to. Nonsense. Do it at once. Rises. No, no, no. I might turn out to be a party I don't like. I might have to follow a trade or profession I detest. Or, what is more awful, I might discover my profession without remembering how to practice it. I might find myself a colonel who has forgotten his drill, a captain in the navy who knows nothing but how to be seasick, or a doctor who cannot remember the pharmacopoeia. In short, I may be a soldier, sailor, apothecary, ploughboy, or a thief. Ah, but on the other hand... On the other hand, I may be the hero of the hour, the author of the latest craze in books, the new drawing-room tenor, or the fashionable tragedian. I may be an M.P., one of the cabinet, or perhaps a member of the county court. It's this that buoys me up. But, Dr. Titus... I shan't be able to stand the uncertainty much longer. Give me your opinion. He rises and puts himself in studied position. Now, what do you think I am? Titus, sitting, leaning back and surveying him. A very lucky fellow. Lucky? Certainly. Why, it's as much as I can do to forget a few tradesmen's bills. You want my advice? Yes. Take it easy. Accept your position. You'll never have so little anxiety as you have at the present moment. How old are you? Don't know. What do you think? Think I'm a chicken? Well, you're in the prime of life, with no conscience to prick you on the score of past misdeeds. Enjoy yourself, make merry, until your recollections return. Rises. Business with chair. Oh, they will return, then? Of course they will, all of a sudden. Your case is no rarer in the annals of medicine than it is in fiction. When those two railway engines came together, you experienced a shock? I did. That's the cause. Music has before. One day without a moment's warning, like the bursting of a soap bubble in a man's ear, your memory will come back to you. The sight of somebody's ugly face, the sound of a familiar voice, 
the melody of a miserable comic song, or the air of a waltz from a discordant organ, and the rusty gates of the past will be opened. Like a flash of lightning, you will regain the consciousness of cares and responsibilities, arrears of income tax unpaid, and all the evils of a well-spent life. Be warned, don't seek to hasten matters, and in the meantime, be happy. Music ceases. Happy? When I'm thrown a foundling on the mercy of that violent old Captain McCafferty? Dr. Titus, he's a demon. Well, he's a beast, but he's taken a fancy to you. But I've no money. Don't ask for his bill. But suppose he does. Then fly to her. Her? My good sir, you're blind. Haven't you discovered? What? Miss McCafferty, Patricia, your devoted nurse, she's lost her heart to you. You don't say so. I do, you lucky devil. No past and a nice, comfortable, snug future. How I envy you. I tell ye, I have not lost the game. Well, but Captain McCafferty. Then some of ye have been putting my pegs back. No, no Captain, Captain no. no. Putting my pegs back, and me in a delicate state of health. Titus, joining group at back. Gentlemen, gentlemen, don't agitate the Captain. Jolliffe has seated himself in armchair left centre. Patricia crosses from right and stands behind his chair. I find you're beginning to look, Mr. Jolliffe, dear. Am I, Miss McCafferty? I've done with the Miss McCafferty. My name's Patricia, and that's the short for us. Sure, I haven't fed John good calf's foot jelly, you at one end of the spoon and me at the other, to be called Miss McCafferty, now that you can feed it without me. Titus was right. To Patricia. I'm very much obliged, Miss McCa- uh, Patricia. Patricia, smoothing his hair. I combed your hair in the middle when I had the dressing of it, and pretty you looked. I suppose I shall never have the combing of it again, at all, at all. Sits right. Jolliffe, aside. I should think Titus was right. Titus, going. Gentlemen? Who will join in a game of pyramids upstairs? I will. So will I. Captain? No, I've got a little private affair to talk over with Mr. Jolliffe. Titus, Gorge, and Buzzard go off door left. Jolliffe rises and is about to sneak away quietly. I think I'll make one, Doctor. I think I'll make one. McCafferty takes his arm and brings him back. Didn't ye hear me say I'd got a little business with ye? Beg pardon, beg pardon. Business is a pleasure. Eh? I said business is a pleasure. McCafferty, pointing to chair. Sit down, then. Jolliffe sits nervously. Patricia, my darling, retire to the bar till I call ye. Patricia rises and crosses to right. McCafferty detains her and embraces her, wiping his eyes with emotion. Ah, my little girl, is the time coming when I've to share ye with another man? Go, darling. Patricia goes out, door right. Jolliffe, aside. I've a presentiment something dreadful is going to happen. McCafferty, turning to Jolliffe. Mr. Montague Jolliffe, sir. You've been with us, an occupant of the best bedroom at this hotel, six weeks come yesterday. 
you were brought here flat on the broad of your back bruised and battered you've been nursed by my own daughter and physicked by my own doctor and have enjoyed all the advantages of my own personal society i'm sure i can never express my deep sense don't try sore when i'm in the middle of speaking kindness is my disposition he goes to the sideboard is watched anxiously by jolliffe and from a drawer takes out a number of long sheets of paper closely written upon and fastened together in one corner on paper sore in plain pounds shillings and pence your visit to this establishment takes that figure handing paper to jolliffe mr jolliffe your bill sore jolliffe takes bill with a look of horror mccafferty goes up to table right centre and puts cards etc in drawer jolliffe aside i was right i was right something dreadful has happened turning over the sheets one by one first week oh second week gracious third week goodness fourth week nourishing food oh christopher fifth week wine oh columbus sixth week delicacies out of season oh eh, oh he collapses mccafferty standing over him what the devil's the meaning of the zoological sounds you are emitting sir are you delighted with the moderation of your little account or are ye not jolliffe recovering oh delighted delighted captain mccafferty are you quite sure nothing has been left out turning over leaves where's the pennyworth of periwinkles i had for tea yesterday mccafferty snatches the bill from him and examines it violently how dare you give me a turn and me in a delicate state of health returning bill and pointing out an item there it is before you oh of course reading periwinkles half a crown thank you you haven't charged with a pin no sir jolliffe tries unsuccessfully to cram the account into his pocket holding them out to mccafferty there isn't a lift in the hotel to take them up to my floor is there no sir stop i ought to tell you we take off two and a half per cent to commercial travellers are you a commercial traveller jolliffe rising aghast am i a what a commercial traveller ah uh, no i i don't think so you don't think so i mean i don't remember being a commercial traveller you don't remember just so just so of course if a man is a commercial traveller the chances are ten to one he knows it aren't they why certainly sir just so just so that's what i want to get at no don't think of taking off two and a half per cent then mr jolliffe if you're not a commercial traveller what the devil are you jolliffe his jaw dropping eh what am i what are ye what uh, hold this for a moment will you it's rather heavy jolliffe who has been nursing the bundle of papers like a baby 
deposits it in the captain's arms, wiping his brow. Yes, of course. What am I? Yes, sir. What are you? What am I? Yes, sir. What are you? Oh, I'm, um, I'm a gentleman. A gentleman? Ah, uh-huh. well, I'm glad of that. Shaking Jolliffe's hand. There's two of us. Now we shall get at what I'm driving at. You come of a good family, I take it. Oh, yes, the, the, the Jolliffes. Oh, the Jolliffes. Yes, the old Jolliffes, the good old Jolliffes. London boys? Well, they're spread about. They're spread about some, some here, some there. Are they rich? No, that's the devil of it. Putting hands into pockets. All the Jolliffe I know is a pauper. I mean, all the Jolliffes I know are paupers. Fine, well-made, strapping fellows, but no money. No money. And you? Oh, I'm a regular Jolliffe. McCafferty, returning the bundle of papers quickly. Take your bill now, sir. I've a communication to make to ye. Be seated. They sit. Jolliffe left centre. McCafferty brings chair centre. Jolliffe aside. Something else is going to happen. Mr. Montague Jolliffe, you may have heard, sir, that I'm a man in a precarious state of health, with a bullet in me somewhere or other, and where it is the devil only knows, or the doctor does not. Yes, I've heard that once or twice before. Ye may have heard also that the slightest agitation or excitement may make an angel of me. Well, I'm not prepared to pledge. None of your dirty, dubious looks, sir. Yes or no? Yes. Very well, then. Now, sir, I'm desirous of settling the future of this wonderful property, the Steepleton Railway Hotel, by way of selecting a gentleman to succeed the present proprietor now before ye. And, sir, after looking on all sides of me, my choice has fallen upon you. But, Captain McCafferty, I've no capital. Stop, uh, I'm coming to that. Are you? I'm glad of that. I don't deny that I should have preferred ye wit capital, but as you're a pauper, I must take ye as ye are. Jolliffe, attempting to rise. But, Captain McCafferty... McCafferty, pushing him back. Sit down, Mr. Jolliffe, sir. You may have observed that my little girl has taken a strong liking for ye. Your little girl? Ah, my daughter, Patricia. Really, Captain, I don't think... Rising. Don't contradict me, sir. When you know the doctor forbids it. I say, sir, that my little girl is pining for ye. Why, sir, she's the shadow of what she was a month ago. You don't say so. But I do say so. Excitedly slapping his knees at each sentence. And I say, sir, that Dionysius McCafferty has made up his mind that the band shall go up next Sunday for your wedding with the best girl that ever drew breath in the parlor or beer in the bar. Rising. Give me your hand, Mr. Jolliffe. You're in luck, sir. 
puts chair back right. Jolliffe, rising. But, Captain McCafferty... McCafferty, turning. Well, sir? Suppose I've got a wife already. What? Suppose I've got a wife already. McCafferty, in a rage. What do you mean to say? You've crawled into my house and stolen the heart of my little girl? Whilst you've got a wife waiting for your homecoming? Jolliffe, alarmed. Don't excite yourself, Captain. Don't excite yourself. Think of the bullet. McCafferty, sinking into chair right. Ah, Viper. You've done for me, Viper. Captain McCafferty, don't excite yourself. I didn't say I was married. McCafferty groans. On the contrary, I don't think I am married. <sighs> what do you mean, you blackguard? I mean I don't remember ever marrying anybody. McCafferty, jumping up. Don't remember? You see, if a man is married, the chances are ten to one he knows it, ain't they? When I was married, I knew it. Uh, just so, just so. That's what I want to get at. That's what I want to get at. <sighs> what a shock you gave me. Bless you, my boy. I'll call my little girl, and you shall make her a happy creature with the good news. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. McCafferty goes to door right, opens it, and calls. Patricia, uh, Pat, uh, come here. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, if I could only remember. Patricia enters door right. McCafferty embraces her. Pat, my darling, the blow has dropped on me. I've got to share ye with another man. Go to him, and there he stands, your own lawful husband that is to be. Patricia crosses to Jolliffe, bashfully. Montague! But, but, Patricia! They embrace. Ah, then, I shall comb your hair again for you after all. She leads him over to right, she sitting. McCafferty goes to door left and calls. Doctor, come down. Mr. Gorge, Mr. Buzzard, sirs, come down. Titus, Gorge, and Buzzard enter quickly. Well, Captain, well, Captain what is it? Mr. Jolliffe has proposed for my little girl, and I've consented. McCafferty left centre. Titus, Gorge, and Buzzard gather round Jolliffe and Patricia, congratulating them noisily. Congratulate you, Mr. Jolliffe. You're a lucky man, sir. Titus aside to Jolliffe. You've taken the doctor's advice, then, lucky devil. Gorge and Buzzard resume their places behind table as before. Titus goes up left centre. A bell rings off right. What's that? The post, I fancy, with the London papers. She bustles off right. McCafferty crosses to Jolliffe. Ah, my boy, it's not a penniless bride ye take to your heart for I've made up my mind to settle upon my daughter the sum of what's the amount of your bill. Takes bill from under Jolliffe's arm. Total, £168.510. That's the exact amount I mean to settle on my daughter. 
So to the devil with the bill. Throwing away bill and grasping Jolliffe's hand. Consider you've got the money. Heaven prosper you. Music. Patricia enters with six London papers. The London papers. McCafferty takes three, throws one to Gorge, one to Titus, who has dropped into chair left, and sits left centre, keeping remaining one. Patricia gives one to Buzzard and one to Jolliffe, who brings chair and sits centre, retaining one herself, sitting right. They all simultaneously open the papers, turn them twice, and begin reading greedily. Music. Mysterious and melodramatic played piano. After a short pause, Jolliffe utters a cry of horror. He looks round, and seeing that no one is looking at him, reads. Ah! Oh. Looking round, reading. Two hundred pound reward. Absconded about six weeks ago. Montague Jolliffe. Fair, slim, about five feet ten inches in height. The above reward will be paid on application to Messrs. Crew and Patchett, solicitors, Gray's Inn. Montague Jolliffe, that's my name. Fair, I'm fair, slim, I am slim. Five feet ten inches in height, that's my measure. I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal. They all look up from their papers in astonishment. What's the, What's matter? the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter? Music quickens. Beginning with Patricia, Jolliffe goes from one to the other, snatching the newspapers. Don't read the papers. Don't read the papers. Don't read the papers. All rise in confusion. Jolliffe sinks into chair centre with newspapers under his arm. Music swells loudly as curtain falls. Quick curtain. End of Act One.